Hello, and welcome to the Road from Emmaus podcast. I'm Jason Lowe, joined by Andrew Chow, and we are two totally ordinary Catholic guys hoping to share our journeys. Like the disciples on the road to Emmaus, we've each encountered Christ in our lives. Join us as we talk about what comes next. It's part two of our mini two-episode series on marriage prep. In our last episode, we talked about spiritual and sexual intimacy. Today, we discuss having children. Is there a right number? What's the balance between being pro-life and having quality of life? Finally, we talk about navigating difficult, often unspeakable situations together with the person you want to spend the rest of your life with. A lot of people say that hosting a podcast um, isn't too hard, that you know it's not particularly difficult. Everyone in the pandemic started hosting podcasts, you and I included. Um, but I will say it doesn't come without its challenges and its sacrifices. Uh, you don't know this, but earlier today I was offered free Leafs tickets to go to tonight's Leafs game against the Pittsburgh Penguins. And I had to turn them down because I had a prior commitment of being of, of doing this podcast episode with you. Um, what would you like to say in terms of how appreciative you are of me laying down my life for this podcast? You should have gone, man. (laughs) 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 Um, Wow. You are, (laughs) no, it's good. And and honestly, it's something that like, I need to be better at honoring because like, I always move things around. No, I'm kidding. Every episode. (laughs) No, this is it. All right, everyone. This is me. (laughs) This is me apologizing to Jason. I'm sorry for everything. (laughs) On air. We're doing like live counseling. Uh, yeah, and conflict resolution. On <laughs> if anyone wants to be a guest for that, so like conflict resolution, conflict resolve between us. Yeah, please resolve conflicts. Know. Resolve conflicts. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know the podcast continues on regardless of what it is that we have going on. So uh, you know, if not Andrew, hopefully the audience and the listeners appreciate all of the <laughs> great sacrifices that you and I have to make. You know, all again, all five of our listeners. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so today we're going to continue on from uh, our, our, our last episode. Uh, if, if you haven't listened to it, we, we would like you we would like to point you towards our last episode uh, about marriage prep. Um, it's a mini two-part series. Uh, last time we kind of talked about you know spiritual intimacy. Um, actually, sorry, let me let me reset a bit more. Uh, basically, the whole premise of this is you know if Andrew and I were to uh, create a marriage prep program, what would that look like? What would that quote unquote curriculum look like? And we kind of divided it into four components and four categories. Um, so yeah, last time we covered the first two, those being spiritual intimacy and sexual intimacy. Um, we talked a bit about you know as a couple, how do you kind of build that spiritual intimacy? Um, kind of you know drawing on the habits that we've talked about in our own individual uh, prayer lives and kind of um, how do you bring that together uh, with someone else, with your partner? Um, with sexual intimacy, obviously, you know, this this is something that you are uh, very seriously discerning. Uh, if you're discerning marriage, then obviously, what, is it, what does it mean to be chaste within the context of marriage, right? We talk about chastity outside of marriage, but now, um, you know, chastity still applies within the context of marriage. Uh, we talk about what sex means and, you know, navigating that particular area of your lives together as a couple um, and what it means to be intimate in that way. So um, again, encourage you guys to go check it out. If you haven't listened to it, uh, listen to Marriage Prep Part 1. Um, and we're going to get into Part 2 today. Um, the last two categories that, that we kind of divided this uh, Marriage Prep course by Andrew Chow and Jason Lowe into. Um, 
So moving from sexual intimacy into um, thinking about raising a family, thinking about raising children. Um, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about that and, you know, what the church teaches about having children in general and the whole questions of like, oh, like how many children are we supposed to have? Like all these, I'll get in, we'll get into it later. Um, so that's the third one. And um, the fourth one, I, I kind of teased it last time, but I, I like to call it, you know, just kind of reorienting your dream life together. Um, but also really what that means is just thinking about, you know, navigating all the curveballs that life will throw at you um, that that will just pop up and doing that together as a couple. I think that actually um, is not something that we think about often enough. And that particular conversation, I'm actually really excited to get into. So um, just laying that uh, together for, for everyone here. Um, so last time, Andrew, you know, uh, we had kind of left off talking about we, we had mentioned NFP. And we never really got into what natural family planning is. And, you know, thinking about the discussion of having children and raising a family, I figured we would have a, a, a inter-podcast episode segue uh, and, and talk about NFP, right? And so just to kind of quickly um, define that, uh, you know, people uh, hear about NFP and it's like, well, um, you know, what exactly is it? And so the way I kind of like to describe it is that it's it's... Through God's beautiful and intelligent design, he built into, um, you know, the, the fem- what, what's called the feminine genius within theology of the body, but the, the feminine body, right, uh, a system almost of periods of fertility and periods of infertility, right? If you're familiar with the cycle, the menstruation cycle, I guess, uh, the fertility cycle is probably what's, what's, what's a better term for it. Um, that's, that's kind of how that works, right? So certain uh, times of the month, um, the female is more fertile and, and, and able to, to, um, yeah, have a, to become pregnant, I guess. I'm really struggling with my words here. Um, <laughs> and certain other times, obviously the inverse is true. Um, you're less fertile. And, um, and so accordingly, it would be, it would make sense that if you have sex, then it's less likely that you would have a child. Mm-hmm. Okay. Really stumble through that. Anything you want to add so far? No, I think, um, I think natural family planning is actually a really, really beautiful thing. Um, and it's at its core, it's really an understanding of how the body works. That's it. It's actually very, very scientific. Um, yeah. As much as, you know, the, the conversation often enough comes up in, in terms of like church for science and all these things that we call it the feminine genius. Like we're really just talking about biology. Like that, that's, that's natural family planning is understanding biology and physiology. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's why I stumbled so much, because I don't understand either of those things. <laughs> now, um, I guess a lot of people, you know, um, they'll, the, the main thing with NFP is that it's compared to contraception, right? So mm. condoms, um, you know, other devices and things like that. Um, I think one of the biggest questions when it comes to natural family planning is, you know, if you are using NFP to kind of plan when to have children or when to not have children you know when can you have sex so that you know um you might not have children isn't that basically a form of contraception right and Mm. i think the answer to that is basically no um not in the same way because when you're using a condom when you're using um any of those other devices and things um you are going out of your way to try to take things into your control right you're taking the idea of the creation of life or disabling the creation of life rather, into your own hands. Whereas I think with NFP, it's totally different because this is something that God designed and wrote into our bodies. And like you said, it works scientifically. 
Um, and so it's, I, it, I think it's for me, at least it's pretty clear that it's totally different from something like condoms. Yeah. I think another way to think of it and the way that it works out for me is, um, the, the natural, the point of natural family planning is to understand that actions have consequences to understand what those consequences are. Right. And it's just, it's making an informed decision as all natural family planning really is. Contraception on the other hand is just saying, I don't want to think about it. I just want to cut things off, right? And in contraception, that that's the big difference here is that natural family planning, natural family planning is a celebration of what is, mm. while contraception is an ignoring of what is. I don't want to think about it. I'm just going to block this thing, this part of my human body out altogether. Mm -hmm. uh, this, I'm going to block out this potential consequence altogether. Exactly. Um, so, so I think that's a big difference. And so here's the thing, right? Like with NFP. Um... Yes, there are periods of infertility where the female um, is less likely to become pregnant, but uh, it's never 100%, right? And so I think one of the biggest, uh, one of the most beautiful things about NFP is that you are uh, entering into the marital embrace, the sexual act, um, with the open mind, understanding that you are open to children, right? Yes, you're, you're, you're having sex within this period of infertility, but it's not 100% again, which is kind of what a lot of the contraceptive devices do um, for the most part. So you're open to the possibility of life. And I think that openness is kind of the key here, right? Um, you are saying to God, hey, like, you know, I am trying to be responsible about planning my family. And I think we're going to get into that a little bit soon. Oh, soon. Uh, being responsible about uh, planning my family and being a responsible parent. Um, and, you know, my, my, uh, my partner and I just want to uh, love each other and express our love for each other in this way. But with all that, we are still open to the possibility of this leading to a child lord. If this is what you want, if this is what your will, what, what your will is. Um, so, you know, I think that's a really quick, like three minute explainer on what NFP is. Mm -hmm. um, again, just to kind of uh, come off of last episode uh, when we kind of mentioned it uh, really quickly. So uh, anything you want to add there when it comes to NFP? Yeah, the only other thing I'll say is that um, the the big thing is like what happens when things happen differently than what we planned, right? And, and this is where there's a really big shift. So with natural family planning, like you said, it's not necessarily 100%. For anyone who's like hearing this and going like, oh my gosh, I don't want to be 80% sure. Like it's like 97 or 98%. Like it is yeah. fairly close to 100% um, in terms of being able to predict, um, you know, when you will or won't conceive. Uh, but there is that like two, three percent that we're talking about here in terms of what's uh, what what might happen differently. Um, but because it's following the body's patterns, that's where, you know, when things happen differently, there's a lot more confidence of like, all right, like this is because God willed it to be this way. You know, like we have we've done our diligence in terms of what we thought our plan was, but God has a different plan. In comparison, like if we break, if we take the example of condoms, if a condom breaks, like you don't know what's happening. Because you haven't paid attention to your body. You haven't paid attention to your body size. And that's what's beautiful here, right? Is that through natural family planning, you're paying attention to your body. You understand the consequences of your actions. And you decide to take that You decide to take that step knowing everything. Versus in condoms, like, I hope this works. I don't really know what's going to happen if it doesn't. And then if it breaks, you're like, oh my gosh, fingers crossed. It doesn't happen in a way I didn't expect. Um, so there's a very big difference there in terms of, is it avoidance, which is kind of what the contraceptive route is or is it an embrace of a sexuality so anyways i could go on I, I well no i also realized I, I forgot to say one thing in case it wasn't clear 
naturally flame, natural flaming planning we've been talking about it in the context of contraceptives and you know or rather you know uh, trying to you know possibly plan for not having children but you can also use natural family planning in the inverse where if you're trying to have children and you've been having some difficulty you can target these particular periods of higher fertility to enable uh, or, or in increase your uh, I guess success rate of being able to have that child right or, or of getting pregnant so um, that's that's again something that is written beautifully um, designed beautifully by God um, and and something that you know is just very useful I would mm -hmm. say so um all right so let, let's move on to actually you know the, the the topic of having children i was going to say let's move on to having children i was like uh <laughs> that's not <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's not um so i think one of the biggest questions for anyone who's kind of um discerned already or just thought about you know how many children do we have or do, do i want to have when i'm married kind of thing right like that's one of the most basic questions that you know we we often think about even from a very young age right how many kids am i going to have um, I think within the context, uh, the context of, you know, Catholics and everything, you often look at a lot of, you know, Catholic speakers or, you know, what you would call Catholic celebrities, well-known Catholic, Catholic figures. <laughs> they like have like nine children or like, you know, five plus children or whatever. And, uh, you know, for us in, I guess, suppose North America, or I think just all over the world, we're definitely not as used to having that many children. It's, you know, the answer is often... You know, probably only two kids, maybe only three kids at most, or like even one kid kind of thing. That's that's how many kids I want, right? Um, I, I think it's a good discussion to have within the Catholic context because, you know, the Catholic Church is supportive of pro-life, right? It's supportive of life. It's supportive of, um, uh, of God's creation. And as a result, you know, we need to be pro-life as well. But on the other hand... From a social kind of commentary standpoint, I suppose, right? Like, what is the line? What is the balance with, quote unquote, better life quality, right? Like, so if you think about, you know, the the, the world at large and, you know, the poverty that goes on or even within uh, North America, like the politics and kind of, you know, what you could call, you know, the evil influences of, of all the things that are happening in the world. Uh, on the other hand, some people are just like, I don't want to expose my potentially future children to that kind of world um and therefore i'm just not going to have children right what do you think is kind of the balance in in, in your perspective uh, i don't think there should be one uh, mm -hmm. and and let me qualify what i mean by that i think there is a lot of pride that goes into that statement mm -hmm. right like i don't want to bring my children into a world that's xyz thing that's assuming that my child's not going to be able to handle a world that's xyz mm -hmm. you know there are a lot of complications in our life today, which didn't exist 50 years ago. You yeah. know, when our parents were children, they didn't have to deal with cyberbullying. You know, a lot of our kids probably um, were like, like if they knew that their kids were going to be cyberbullied, they'd be like, oh my goodness, like, how do you even manage that? What do I do? I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to, right? So mm -hmm. there's that. I think, you know, with this topic in particular, um, it's a natural one that comes up. It's a natural one that, that people think about and, and understandably so. Um, but the big question I think as Catholics has less to do with like, how are you planning things out and a lot more to do with, are you planning or are you discerning, right? It's, are, are you the one that's guiding what's happening in your life or is God? Like, have Cherry and I had this conversation 100%. Mm -hmm. Does it mean that what we said, you know, six months ago is exactly what's going to happen in our life? Probably not, mm -hmm. you know? Um, it may, it may not, but 
the only thing we can really know is in this moment, you know, what, what am I called to in this marriage? And I think that's kind of the freedom as a Catholic to say, like, it's not kind of all on me. I'm going to discern in this moment what's the best thing, the most prudent thing for me to do. And then the promise is that whether or not the world is going to be good enough or whether or not the quality of life is going to be there for my kid, like, that, that's kind of on God, <laughs> yep. you know? Like, if God wants to bring this child into my life, life should always be celebrated. Then, you know, I will celebrate this life. And God, you need to give me the tools that I'll need for this life to, you know, have, uh, you know, thrive. So I think kind of that's, those are my initial thoughts. Yeah. And I think if I were to kind of summarize my reaction to that particular question or argument, if you don't want to have a child because of the evil world, like, yeah, like, I, I can agree with you. We can have a discussion about, you know, all the evil influences of the world. Like, we, you and I are both living it. But I think it's also, if I can say, kind of you running away from that responsibility, really. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, you and I have gone through, I'm sure, our fair share of challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would say, you know, I, I know people who I'm close to who have gone through it feels like an immense amount of suffering, right? Um, But at the same time, and actually this is going to tie into our discussion later, but suffering is something that um, is a mystery within the church because suffering is is what um, our Lord redeems, right? And our Lord is greater than evil, right? God is greater than evil. That is a very fundamental belief, right? Within within our, our faith. And if you're saying that I don't want to have children because of this evil world, not only are you not believing in, I guess, your own ability, right, to raise your child, which is fair. I have my own insecurities when it comes to that. Yeah. But you're also running away from saying to God or believing that God will figure it out for you, right? Yeah. That God will guide you through all of these different circumstances and and, and things like that. So, um, you know, I, I, I think that's something to really think about if, if you kind of fall into this camp of, you know, there's there's an evil world out there. You know, in many ways there are there is, but also, um, you know, God is, is going to be stronger than, than all the evils that are out there. And also don't forget that there is a good world out there as well. Um, you brought up, you know, our parents' generation 50 years ago, whatever it was, like, you know, thank God for my parents, thank God for your parents. Like you and I, we've kind of sidestepped the path, you know, every now and then, even today, I'm sure, you know, that's what the nature of being sinful is. Um, but, you know, we, we've made it through 20 some odd years, okay, right? <laughs> Um, we've had our own struggles, like I said, but we've made it through. And I know a lot of my friends who, like I said, have had even greater struggles. They have made it through, um, relying on the grace of God. Yeah. I think, you know, there, there's a lot of resilience in humanity, right? And and that's where, you know, when you bring a child into the world, like they're only helpless for so long, you know, they're helpless for the time before, you know, this is really going to necessarily affect them in that same way. So, um, you know, you talk to any parent out there, they'll tell you, like, it's it's amazing and surprising how quickly your children grow, mm-hmm. right? Like, I joke all the time about when I tell my kids that, like, oh, I need to work or worry about raising them with technology, so dad's going to not be, like, not have enough money for a Wi-Fi house. It's, like, my joke, right? But, like, <laughs> anyone, any parent friend that I talk to, and I mention, like, man, like, that's not even going to last, like, six months when, you're, when your kid knows how to talk, right? Like, because they're that quick and that smart. And that same way, like, that's how they're going to learn to interact with the evils of the world, right? It's not a bad thing. Um, so I think, I think though, the piece that's really important and the piece I want to kind of reiterate is that it's not a bad thing as long as 
your having children is discerned, not not necessarily planned, right? Um, there's a there's a prudence in planning. I'm not saying like you know when you when you feel like <laughs> you know it's it's uh, the time is right like at going. Like no, there's a prudence to planning, right? Like, do we have enough space? Do I have enough money, right? If you're 15 and you feel like you need to have kids, like I can tell you, you're probably not right. <laughs> you know, like um, there there's a prudence here in terms of like making sure that it's discerned and planned, but it shouldn't be one without the other, in my opinion, right? It's you know, all right, I make you know X amount of money, children cost X amount of money, I already have one kid. If we have another kid, we won't be able to make ends meet. Like there's a prudence there in terms of understanding, you know, what what is actually happening. And those are some of the signs that God uses to help us discern, right? I also do want to uh, elaborate a little bit more on what I was saying. You know, I, I think both Andrew and I do recognize that we do come from a bit of a privileged position, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, not to be too woke or whatever, but like, like, yeah, like that's part of the equation for, for the both of us. And, you know, we don't know what it's like to experience the levels of, you know, th poverty, illness, homelessness, things, all of those things. Right. So yeah. absolutely for sure. That's, that's not something we can speak to, but at the same time, um, this part is totally tangent tangential now and beyond having children. But like, that's why, um, we are still called as people in these kinds of positions to help out, right. Uh, to do what we can. Um, to donate, to to maybe even actually go onto into the streets and and do uh, charitable work and things like that. Um, but like I said, that's a totally different discussion. But I do want to just bring up that like, yeah, that's that that is a position that Andrew and I are both in. But at the same time, you know, if you are also in a similar position, uh, still the same thing re resonates, right? Like I th I think this whole idea of you know not wanting to have children because of the, of this evil world, um, it's it's. It's not something that holds that holds water, really. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I want to go back to what you were talking about before in terms of planning versus discerning. Um, this is an interesting kind of hypothetical conversation as well, because I know, um, you know, again, I talked about the stereotype of Catholic families having a lot of children. There's also mm -hmm. a stereotype of Catholic couples getting married very early. Mm. Um, and I, I, I like that you brought up, you know, the whole idea of planning versus discerning, because there's there are definitely people who are like, hey, I don't want to get married until, you know, maybe it's a, maybe it's a specific age, like, oh, 27 or 28, because at that particular time, I feel like I'll have a stable job and I'll have a stable income. Yeah. Whereas, you know, again, kind of a stereotype sort of thing, but like uh, Catholic, some Catholic couples might get married as early as like 22, 23, 24. Yeah. And um yeah, I, I think that's an interesting thing to think interesting thing to think about within the context of this discussion as well, because I think that, you know, um, again, people or couples who are like kind of similar to me, maybe even you, like they're sometimes they might galaxy brain it and they might think too hard about like, okay, I need that stable income. Yeah. Um when you look at other couples who maybe just kind of they're able to let go, right? And let God, as the saying goes. And they're kind of just discerning, truly discerning their married their marital relationship. And they're just like, I'll get married at 23, 24. I only have a part-time job. Uh, or maybe only one of us has a job or, or some source of income. But we will find a way to make it work because mm. it's not about the money. Um, we will find a way to make it work. And we'll, we'll find a, make, a way to make it work for our family and our children. Yeah. I think, I think there's a difference between making a plan and making my plan. And I think that's probably the difference here, right? Nice. Um, and and what I mean by that, <laughs> um, what I mean by that is like planning things out. Like it's a very prudent thing to do. I keep saying talking about prudence here, but really, it's you know, all right, God, if you want me to have a kid, what will it look like? Let me map out what it would look like if we were to conceive today. You know, 
this is how my budget would be. This is how the X would be. This is how Y would be. This is how much space we would have. This is what life would be. That's a reality that I think is important to look at. And then just like the discernment part is saying like, now the plan is laid out. Now I have a better idea of what this entails. All right, God, tell me, like, is this where you want me to go or not? And I think any any time that it's this is done in a truthful way, any time that you are actually doing this in an honest way with yourself to say like, yes, this is how much I can make. All right, no, I'm not going to be able to save money in this area because that's just, you know, not realistic for me. Or like, okay, you no, know, it's a little bit silly to think that I'm going to spend 50 bucks on groceries a month, you know, like those kinds of things, mm-hmm. right? If you're honest with yourself, then you can sit that and then God will show you like, Yes, Angie, you've got it. This is this is good. You know, you'll have a sense of peace where like some people will have a sense of peace where their net positive like ten bucks a month. Mm-hmm. Some people won't have that sense of peace unless their net positive five hundred bucks a month. Mm-hmm. Who knows who that who knows if that's you, right? Who knows if like being okay with net positive ten bucks a month means that, you know, when you have a kid, God has a raise in mind for you. Mm-hmm. Who knows, right? So I think that's it, right? Versus my plan, the difference there is like, all right. I think that I need to have a six-figure income right. um, with a two-story house because, like, that's my picture of what a family should be. That is making my plan and saying, "Here's how my life ought to go." So I think that's the difference. One lets you discern; the other is just selfish, right? Yeah. No, you laid that out beautifully, and um, you know, this has been a lot of me and of me and Andrew giving our thoughts. Um, so I want to point you, if you are interested in this particular topic, to uh, an encyclical called Humana Vitae. H humani vitae. I should have said that slower. Um, H u m a n a e space v i t a e. Uh, it's by Pope Paul the sixth. It's actually one of the most famous encyclicals. I think um, you know if you've heard of encyclicals, you've probably heard of this one. Talks about human life, right? I think that's what the title means in Latin. I'm pretty sure, not 100 percent sure, but I believe so. Um, yeah. And this particular section, section 10. Thank you to my friend who found this. Um, It says, I'll I'll read it and quote it, with regard to physical, economic, uh, psychological, and social conditions, right, which is exactly what we've been talking about, responsible parenthood is exercised by those who prudently and generously decide to have more children, and by those who, for serious reasons and with due respect to moral precepts, decide not to have additional children for either a certain or an indefinite period of time. Um, We'll expand on that, don't worry. But... First of all, kudos to you. I don't know if, if you happened to see this while you were describing, but kudos to you for using the word prudence because this is exactly in Humanae Vitae, right? Um, I think those are the key words there, right? Responsible parenthood is exercised, exercised by those who prudently and generously decide to have more children. Um, and so we'll kind of go into a few examples here, right? Um, if you are someone, and actually this is pretty much what Andrew has already given, but if you're saying we're not going to have children until we have a six-figure, seven-figure income, right? Um, or uh, until we have our like second vacation home or, or a cottage or something, and you're well-established, et cetera, et cetera. If you're on that end of the spectrum, I regret to inform you that you are not acting prudently or generously, <laughs> okay? Uh, honestly, yeah, period. Um, examples of acting prudently and generously, or, you know, in, in kind of the context of the discussion that we've been having, kind of discerning uh, having a child, Right. If you are someone who where you have, you know, significant health concerns and you don't want to pass that on genetically, there's there's something valid there. Right. You know, I'm not going to say 100 percent. Yes. Right. Like significant health concerns. Just don't have children. Like, no, that's that's not what we're saying. But it's something that is going to be a considerable factor 
in you know whether or not you want to have children and it's something that is legit um is, is what i'm trying to say right um if you feel like you know if you do have a child if you have your first child for example and your first child has significant medical or, or some kind of developmental dif- difficulty it is prudent for you to um spend more time and effort taking care of this child who needs that level of care um and you know then potentially having another three children right right mm-hmm. um not saying you can't you shouldn't have more than another one or another two or something obviously again every situation is different but that level of prudence and that level of discernment if we're talking about trying to make a plan at least um is something that it falls under being prudence that falls under being generous right yeah i think the big difference here right is like is it my imagination in terms of what what my picturesque life will be or is it me playing out how this will go right mm-hmm. and then that's what i was bringing up earlier is like is it my plan or am i planning right in, in the situation that you, there are health concerns like all right god like this is what might happen to my child this is how my child might grow up because of this you know hereditary illness is this what you want in my life this is what you want to happen mm-hmm. right versus like all right god like i have a six-figure retirement fund but i want to have a second like you know like it, it, it that's I don't know many people who would be able to like bring that to prayer in in good conscience, right? Yeah. Like you, everyone will feel a little bit guilty about it. And I'll even share that like for, for me and Cherry, like for a while, I was like, all right, like we're going to have like these criteria before we start thinking about having children. And honestly, that's kind of just been like, God's like, that was cute, you know? And then like here, <laughs> you know, and then, and then like life kind of happens and we start yeah. thinking like, all right, realistically, if we're going to have a family, what would it look like? And it's like, well, this looks different from what we were thinking, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just it's planning in the sense of laying out reality. So you talked about having a picturesque kind of life together, you know, imagining mm-hmm. that and having, um, you know, a dream life together. So let's move on to that and let's talk yeah. about what happens when none of that comes to comes to fruition and everything just, you know, poop hits the fan kind of thing, right? <laughs> um, I'm just going to throw a bunch of examples just to kind of. Give, just to give people a, an idea of, you know, the type of things that we're talking about here. Okay. So um, I, I had mentioned off the top about like, you know, this particular seg- segment is going to be about, you know, navigating suffering together, reorienting your dream life together. Um, if you're listening, I want you to think about if you've ever thought about things like infertility, miscarriages, having children with disabilities. What if your spouse dies? What if your child dies? How are you going to navigate, um, you know, if your child leaves the church, right? Uh, just a few examples. Um, and obviously very serious ones, right? Uh, things that are difficult to talk about, right? Even literally just listing this out, I'm a little uncomfortable. Um, <clears throat> but I, I don't know that we're necessarily going to ta- tackle each and every one of these. I don't think that's the point here. But I, I, I think the real genesis of what I'm trying to do here um, is like, I think this is something you need to think about when it comes to uh, discerning whether or not the person you're with, right, if you're dating, is the person you want to spend the rest of your life with and you are able to navigate these kind of potential circumstances with. Um, Because I think if you're not kind of ready to answer this question, maybe not necessarily with a 100% yes, that's kind of hard to do. But in a in a probable way, where it's kind of like, yeah, like this is the person I, I think I do want by my side that I I can navigate these things with. I where we can lean on each other, right? If you don't um, have those conversations with each other, or have that level of love and trust with each other, 
then when something like this does happen after marriage, it becomes a lot harder, I think, you know, for, for you to confront it together. And, you know, I don't, I don't know, Andrew, if you've ever thought of this, if you and Cherry have had these discussions, maybe not explicitly, but, you know, what is your general feeling when it comes to thinking about this kind of, this kind of thing? Yeah, a couple of thoughts come to mind. Um, and, and the first is, especially if you're dating and you're discerning marriage, right? Um, is to not make the mistake of thinking that your pre-married self is the same as your married self. Mm. And I don't mean this in like a meta kind of a way. I mean this in the sense that there's a sacrament for a reason. And the sacrament is there as an influx of grace. Um, I think I talked about this before when, when uh, you know, immediately after the, the wedding where, you know, I felt so much grace in my life. Mm-hmm. The point here uh, that I'm trying to make is that um, these crosses, neither of us are pretending like they're easy crosses to carry, right? Goodness knows they are probably some of the mm-hmm. most difficult crosses to carry. But God doesn't just give you crosses without the grace and the strength that you need to carry them. And so, you know, that's the first thing that comes to mind for me here is to say, I think, and this is something that I've experienced in my own life, oftentimes whenever I go through whatever suffering I am going through, right, um, it feels worse than it maybe is because I forget to look for grace. Mm -hmm. I forget to keep my eye out for where God is in this moment. And, and I think that that's a really key piece here, right? I think it was um, when we had Father Raph on, on, on the pod, whichever episode mm-hmm. that was, and he talked about grief mm-hmm. and how grief like opens a hole of sorrow for you to kind of realize that there's that part of your heart, so for you to reorient yourself that way. I think that's one of the pieces here, right? Um, is that, you know, the a well-discerned marriage to me, and this is kind of maybe summarizing what I'm saying here. The dream is the life together. Like the dream is right. the fact that life is together, not the picturesque, as I keep saying, that's life. That's a good way of putting it. And so that's where like, when you look at someone, you'll have, you, no matter how much you love the other person, and I think I can say this with a fair level of confidence, when you think about these, these things, about these different challenges, there's going to be some like, I don't know, you know, I don't know if I'm going to be able to rely on you 100% of the time. I don't know if I'm going to be happy with your reaction to X, Y, Z thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the question is, like, is your dream life with this person, with or without? And if so, then God should and God will give you the grace that you need to get through it t- together, whether that's the way you think is going to pan out or not, right? Mm-hmm. Um, thank you for calling back to that particular episode. Um, it's, it's pretty relevant, I think, just because... You know, another way of summarizing all of this is just that it's another form of suffering, which is kind of what I mentioned earlier. Um, but in this sense, you're kind of suffering together, I suppose, um, you know, for, for most of these kind of examples that I listed. Um, and and that's beautiful because you can find grace. You can find a strengthening of your love for each other through these kinds of situations. Um, you can support each other. You can find look for God together kind of thing um, and even take comfort in the fact that um, part of the graces that God gave you to deal with this situation is that he also gave you your partner he mm-hmm. also gave you your spouse to help you navigate this um, and that's that's beautiful right I think that's a beautiful realization now from a practical perspective it could be challenging because you are beyond down in the dumps you're probably not emotionally available you're spouse probably also isn't emotionally available and from that practical perspective it can kind of create that little bit of difficulty as well but 
all of this is just, you know, um, you know, just another way of, like I said, kind of strengthening the bond that you have together, I think, um, which is, you know, again, for if you're going through this, if you have gone through this, if, you know, if you're looking ahead to, to this kind of situation, you're not going to think about that in the moment. You're not going to be like, oh, here's the silver lining. At least my bond with my spouse is improving, right? No one's going to think that. Um, but because our Lord, um, through his resurrection, defeating death, because he is able to redeem suffering in a way that only he can, um, we're able to find a way out of these things on the brighter side. Uh, you know, it might not be tomorrow. It might not be a year. Uh, but at the end of the day, that's what Jesus is there for. Um, so, you know, I think as always, just with suffering in general, and, you know, again, a great callback to that episode with Father Raph. Um, it happened just over almost a year ago. Uh, grief and suffering with Father Raphael Ma. Um, I think all kinds of suffering, you know, if you're a Christian, if you're Catholic, just bring that to Christ. Bring that to the foot of, of Jesus' cross. Unite that suffering to Christ. Pray for the strength to endure, right? Um, have hope, right? Have hope that Jesus, right, through his infinite love and mercy, will redeem that suffering because he has and he will, right? Um, have hope and have faith and somehow you'll find a way through that tunnel is, is what I would say. Yeah, I think, um, you know, this is a topic that in big and small ways comes up frequently enough, right? So not not necessarily in the same context. Sure. So people talk about how God will always answer your prayer, but not necessarily the way you're expecting. Um, and I think this is kind of one of those pieces where, you know, you might pray for the perfect marriage and whatever that means to you. Um, and in some ways, God has a tendency, I think, and the saints talk about this, that God has a tendency to take away that thing that you're clinging to in order for you to realize your reliance on him. Mm. And so I think that, you know, this is, that that's kind of the reminder here, right? And that's the reason why I, I talked about, you know, the dream is that life is together, because I think I mentioned last episode that the where this becomes a vocation is that I'm being led to heaven and I'm leading to heaven my spouse. Um, but I'm being led to heaven by my spouse and I'm leading my spouse to heaven. Mm. Um, and, and that's kind of where, you know, that's the real question here, right? Isn't, again, isn't necessarily, you know, am I going to be happy with the way that my significant other reacts if we end up infertile, having a miscarriage, having children with any of these things, but rather in that moment, am I going to be able to keep my eyes on the prize, so to speak of heaven for me, for my spouse, for our children, for a lack of children, mm -hmm. you know, um, am I going to get, be able to stay focused on heaven for both of us, for all of us? Um, and that's something to pray about, right? I think that's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful way to reorient your dating life into real discernment yeah. of, you know, not just how much do I like this person? I could really really be attracted to this person but like you know this idea of like oh, i gotta <laughs> i gotta like this person to heaven it's like oh maybe that doesn't resonate right and then you start to like pick through that so i think you know that's where really this is the key piece is that if we have things that way then i truly believe that you know come what may um you'll still come out joyous on the other side mm -hmm. because the life is still together mm -hmm. right thick and thin life is still together Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the end goal. That's the end goal. So um, I think that's going to wrap it up for this discussion that we've had here. You know, um, 
I think a very good discussion to have, honestly, a, a little biased just because this is something that I, I don't know if I would say that I'm passionate about this topic. It seems kind of weird to say that, but at the same time, you know, very relevant to what I'm thinking through at the very least, right? Um, mm-hmm. Thinking about engagement, thinking about, um, you know, discerning uh, the rest of my life uh, with Jen. Um, so yeah, uh, hopefully this was helpful for um, you guys as well. If you're listening, um, thank you for listening. Uh, but there you have it, you know, over the course of basically two episodes in 90 minutes, you have a marriage prep course. Um, hopefully, you know, maybe depending on the <laughs> Don't email that, us for a certificate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was going to say, like, I can, I can put together a certificate for paint or something. You know, so I, I make sacrifices for this podcast. I can do it on paint. So, um, no, um, hopefully it was educational. Uh, we'll pray for you guys. We'll pray for, you know, if you are discerning, we'll pray for your, uh, your discernment. Um, But that's it for now, and thank you guys for listening along, and you'll hear from us next time. God bless everyone.